Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Come back tonight, because I only really have just a little bit of time, so we're just basically going to get our feet wet, you know, just get it wet, but uh, if I need to, I know how to turn things into series. <laughs> know how to turn things into series, so uh, nonetheless. Matter of fact, you don't even have to go, per se, to a scripture, but if you just repeat after me, this is Jeremiah 2.5, a phrase out, Jeremiah 2.5. They have walked after vanity and are become vain. They have walked after vanity and are become vain. Just a little while this morning, and I am totally going to be in teaching mode unless the Spirit does otherwise. But I want to just talk about mirror image. Mirror image. And uh, help me keep track of the time. Brother Malone, you could be my time watcher, okay? Whenever I'm in prison, I usually have someone say, tell me whenever I've got five minutes. 1130 is my hit spot, okay? Be my time watcher. I'm trusting you for this. Amen. Amen. We're going to talk about the mirror image today. I'm going to pray one more time. I know we've done a lot of praying, but we need God's help. Amen. Concerning his word. Father, I love you, Jesus, today. Oh, Spirit of the Lord, we appreciate you. God, we relish, Lord, your presence, and we relish, Lord Jesus, God, being able to intermingle with that presence of the Lord. Pray, oh, God, touch each and every heart, each and every mind. God, speak and minister, Lord Jesus, to their souls. God, direct them, Lord, I pray, God, and we need your help in this place. Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. And the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Today in the lovely name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Man, does my heart well. You all just said the word and all that stuff. Mercy. Amen. Mirror, mirror image, mirror image. Um, I think we all can maybe identify with this to a certain degree. And that is those particularly of you that are our parents that whenever your children were born, and I know we have several newborns around here, um, but as they begin to grow and those, those months tick off and you're celebrating four months, five months, six months, so on and so forth till nine and such, uh, they get in those real fun stages. And I, I'm, it's been a few years, but I'm thinking somewhere around that nine month stage in particular, where it seems like your children begin to Uh, reflect or mimic your facial expressions in particular and those smiles. Uh, A few weeks ago, whenever my wife and I was on our way back from prison uh, from Florida and we were traveling home that Sunday morning, we had the luxurious seats of being in the very back of the plane by the back bathrooms. Glory to God. I don't know how we drew those tickets, but nonetheless, uh, we were back there and across the aisle from us and one up, there was a couple that had, I'm guessing, around a nine-month to ten-month ode, and me and my wife were doing the thing that you're supposed to do, you know. We're across the aisle, we're making faces, and we're smiling, and I don't know if you ever noticed, but my face can make probably 2,500 different expressions. 
And so we're over there and it's trying to mimic all that and it's yelping and nobody else maybe on the plane enjoyed it, but we did, you know, it was only going to be a couple hours, but nonetheless, so it mimics, if you will, what, what going on with the face and so on and so forth, even in animals, animals that are born. I don't remember the exact terminology of this, but there are some uh, traits that are absolutely purely instinct, right? Uh, they instinctively do things. But then there are other things that are patterned after what it sees. It's mama cow or whatever the animal may be or daddy lizard, whatever it does, it mimics. It patterns itself after uh, its parents or even after uh, its, its peer groups, all right? And when we talk about peer groups, we think as we get older, Brother Malone, in the age of those high school ages, you know, you have these different sects of people. Now, that's not S-E-X, but it's S-E-C-T, okay? Okay, these different groupings of people. I know, and you know, you, you and I, I'm not being disrespectful. I'm just saying, you know, you had the nerds because that was my group. You had the nerds, and you had uh, skateboarders, and you had jocks, and you had druggies. In our day, we had druggies, and so on and so forth. And you, you really knew them because there was a certain flavor really did there was a certain flavor there was a certain look there was a certain demeanor a certain language jargon and talk that they had that that just kind of set them apart and you had these different groups and so they would just mirror one another and 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 so on and so forth well God from the very beginning of time God created mankind to be image bearers God created us to be image bearers. We are to be image beings. For that matter, the Bible tells us in Genesis 1, verse number 27, in the book of creation, so God created man in his own image. And the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. And so he made us to be image beings, that we would be reflecting, if you will, the image of God. Or everything that the Lord was, his characteristics, aspects, and attributes would be reflected. We would bear that same likeness and that same image in our own lives. And this isn't just an Old Testament idea. This goes throughout the scripture, even into the New Testament as well. I believe it is in Romans 8 and verse 29. The Bible talks about how he has chosen us or predestinated us to conform to the image of his son. Right. That after we come to know the Lord through the experience of repentance, baptism and the infilling of the Holy Ghost, then he has predestined us or he has pointed us in a direction to conform to the image of his son. We are to be image bearers. Right. Again, of his nature, his attributes and all of his traits. There's another interesting scripture in the book of Revelation. You know, we start in Genesis so we go all the way to Revelation in Revelation chapter number four and verse number 11. Look at the scripture here. He says that the, the spirit of the Lord is saying here, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for thou hast created all things and for thy pleasure they are and were created. The, the, the writer here, John, is describing to us that the Lord is to receive glory, honor, and power. But that glory, honor, and power is not just because he is creator and that he has created mankind, but that glory and honor and power belongs to him because these things he has created, he has done it for his pleasure, for his own desire. What does that mean? That all creation could, should, in some aspect, collectively together, reflect the Lord. All of it together. 
as a whole reflects the Lord. It gives honor and glory, if you will, unto the Lord. They were created for his pleasure. Everything that God created was nothing more but an illustration of his own glory. When you take everything together, mankind, the animal kingdom, uh, the, the fish of the sea, the trees, you take all of that together, then you get a picture of the glory and the power of the Lord. And so we are created in that image and we are to be his image bears. And so here's the thing though. Mankind has always had a, a, a problem, a little snafu that they're either going to bear the image of their creator or they're going to bear the, the image of something that he has created. What I'm saying is this, we're either going to showcase him or we're going to showcase something that he has created part of his creation. Amen. Uh, whenever we read in Scripture, the Apostle Paul said to one of the churches, he admonished them. He said, follow me. This, this is the paraphrasing of it. Follow me as I follow Christ. Another uh, versions of that say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so each of our lives to a certain way, you know, imitates the Lord. But we are to be his image bearers and give glory and reflect glory. Let me state it in terms like this. Give worship. Right? Back to the one who has created us. But again, the problem mankind, we sometimes divert the object of our worship. We worship the, the created more than we do the creator. Amen? Uh, in the Old Testament, they had times that uh, people in the, 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 the Near East and in the Old Testament, they would make their idols and images, and this is something we're all aware of, uh, of wood or stone or perhaps some other type of, uh, of metal. But they would make this, and they believed they would hollow out a little hole inside of their God, almost as though it would be a shell, all right, hollow in the inside. And they believed that that image or that idol contained their gods or essence of their God's presence all right though their particular deity's presence may not have been limited to that idol they believe that it did contain an essence of that god's presence and these were images and these were these were idols well we have been made images not to worship all right as well because god has a spot in our life that he has created for his presence but all of God doesn't, you know, God feels all things, all time, all space. But God is in me, yet God is also around me. Now, thinking on these things, I'm, I'm, what I'm getting at today, and we'll talk about it, and we may not even get there. I'm going to talk a little bit about idols this morning, all right? Because whenever God revealed himself to mankind in the beginning, whenever God revealed himself to mankind and to Israel, God did not reveal himself to them in any particular form or any particular image, per se. God did not do that. But the way in which God revealed himself to his people was through his words. Wasn't a particular form, wasn't a particular image. He revealed himself to them through his words. And then, it's amazing to me that that word that we read of then in John 1 and verse 14 would later become flesh. And we got us an image on our hand which is the only image God ever had. 
who is the image of the invisible God. It's speaking of Christ Jesus. But God didn't reveal himself to Israel, amen, in any form, all right, any particular image he revealed through his word. That's the reason when we read the Ten Commandments and we come to the first two, thou shalt not have any other gods before me, being number one, and thou shalt not make unto thyself any graven image. Because the moment that they would make a god, whether it uh, resembled a bird or resembled a cow or resembled whatever, a snake, once they made an image and said, well, that's God, then they're just taking a portion of all creation that God created. Because it's all creation that can only truly reflect the glory of who God is. So if you take just a snake and just say, well, there it is, you only have a portion, just a part, an aspect, a facet of everything that God is in his full compendium of his essence and his power and his glory and his majesty. And so we can't do that. That's the reason why he told Israel, he said, even when you make your altars, he said, just make them simple altars, make them out of earth. And he says, if you make them out of stone, he says, make them out of unhewn stone. He said, because I don't want you to be tempted to take a hammer and a chisel and start hewing the stone and make it into some image that you think that I am. Because the only way that I ever expressed myself to you was through my words. Through my words, I didn't give you an image. When we read in Romans chapter number one, uh, the Lord even begins to talk to them about idolatry. And he said, there comes a time, and I don't know if I, if I put it in my little uh, scriptures here, but in Romans one and verse number uh, 23, whoever's upstairs, you might be able to get that for me. Amen. I'm trying to get it here on my iPad very quickly. Romans 1 and verse number 23, he told them they exchanged the glory of the immortal or they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image and made like to corruptible man, to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. He said the glory of God was all of this. It wasn't something that was tangible. It wasn't an image that you looked at with your eyes, but you took that and you condensed that down then to some tangible image. That you would fall down in worship. He said, but that, that, that is not the full essence of who and what God is. And so to portray God as any part of creation was to lessen the full revelation of who God was. And this was done through their idolatry, right? Their idols. You're saying, Brother McGee, welcome to the, the newer century here. Uh, we don't have wood and stone idols in our homes. True. But we still have idols. We still have idols. I think it was my grandpa Weisenberg. This was his, I think, always his definition of an idol. And it's simple enough, basic enough to remember and yet right on point. Anything that comes between you and God is an idol. It's real simple. See, anything that comes between you and God is an idol. You know why, in essence, God told Moses on the backside of the desert when he came down inside of that burning bush and he was consuming it with the fire. And he says, Moses, Moses. Take the shoes off your feet because the ground you're standing on is holy. You know what God's basically telling Moses? There's something between me and you. There's something between that sandal on your foot. He says, it's keeping you from my holiness. So take that off. Remove that so we can be in contact. Amen. And so uh, if we portray God by, by per se, just the symbol of the cross alone. And, you know, some people even do that too, more so than others. You know, portray God just by the symbol of the cross alone. We, we've only conveyed a small portion of who and what God is to us. 
The cross is important, yes. The death of Christ is important, absolutely. He was our sacrifice. I'm not going to negate that, but the fact of the matter is he's so much more than just my sacrifice. See, whenever we distill him down to an image or distill him down just to a thing, then we are missing out on a whole lot more aspects, amen, of God that is there. In the Old Testament, deities were only allowed to be uh, over certain sectors or certain regions, or at least that's the way it was believed, that they had dominion over particular localities. Uh, they were the gods of the hills or the valleys, or they were, you know, the fertility god, or the god of the rain, or the god of the fire. That's all they had. But their God is not like our God. They might just have a region or a locality or wind fire, but my God covers wind, fire, <laughs> hill, valley, desert, rainforest, bad time, good time, hospital room. Hallelujah. He, he knows no limitation. The Bible says in Isaiah 42 and verse number eight, I am the Lord. That is my name and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to a graven image. God says, don't, 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 don't allow that come between me and you because there should be no praise or glory given to it. Amen. I don't give my glory to another. I don't allow the praise that's deserving to me because I created you for my pleasure, right? And you give glory, honor, and things of that, of that nature unto me because you are my creation. Don't you give what I gave to... See, God gave us something to give back to him. I don't know if I can explain like that. God gave us something to give back to him. Amen. And he says, don't be giving that to anything else because it didn't give it to you to begin with. God gave us something to give back to him. Now look at this. This, 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 it's interesting when you go to Isaiah chapter number six, and I'm going to read uh, verses nine through 10. You're saying right now, Brother McGee, you're not making much sense. Well, that's where we're going to be at a disadvantage because I got to stop in about five minutes. It'll make sense when it's all done. Huh? Have you ever seen people put in degrees together? Like, I have a slice idea what they're making. You had to wait till it's done. There you go. Amen. Isaiah. Chapter number six, this is where uh, the angels are there at the temple and they're saying, holy, holy, holy uh, unto the Lord. And the seraphims are there and the, the pillar of the house shook and, and Isaiah is there and he's feeling like a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. And a coal was taken from the altar, touched to his lips and he's purged. But look what the Bible says in verse number nine of, of this particular chapter. The Bible states these words. And he said, this is the Lord speaking unto, unto uh, Isaiah. Go and tell his people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. We hear this verbiage a lot through the Bible. Make the heart of this people fat, make their ears heavy, shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. What is going on? We see this verbiage a lot. Anybody that's ever, anybody that read their Bible through have heard this, have eyes but can't see, ears but you can't hear, heart but you can't understand. What is in the world is going on? Amen. What's going on is this, is that Isaiah is to go to preach to a people, listen, that have become, have become like what they have been worshiping. You see this verbiage over and over again. Matter of fact, when you see this verbiage, it's usually never speaking about a murderer or an adulterer or anything like that. It is always in the context of people that are serving false gods. 
And it is part and parcel the proof that we mirror the image of what we've been worshiping. And so God is telling Isaiah, you go preach. You go talk to the people. Because there's judgment coming upon the nation of Israel. Because for hundreds of years, Israel has been sporadic in their devotion to God. They've been sporadic in their worship to God. He says, and you're going to go preach the words. And they're going to have ears, but they're not going to hear eyes, but they're not going to see. Why, Brother McGee? Because they will have become what they've been worshiping. Boy, I wish I had about 30 more minutes. Amen. Someone say amen. Think about this for a moment, and, and, and we'll come back to Isaiah, maybe. I don't, I'm, it's, it's already about time to quit. Is everybody doing okay? Isaiah 44, Brother Malone. Don't say anything. <laughs> Isaiah 44 and verse 8. Look at this. Look at, I don't know, I hate to say this, but this is almost laughable. This, this, is, this is almost hilarious and at the same time so sad. When you read this passage, I'm going to read several verses. Maybe this is, well, shut up. I don't know. But this is laughable. This is somebody that's making a God and going to worship the God. If you've never read this in your Bible, you need to mark this. This is important. Verse 8. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have not I told thee from that time and have declared it? Ye are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Then comes verse 9. They that make a graven image are all of them vanity. Their delectable things shall not profit. They are their own witnesses. They see not. Oh, look! now look. He's speaking about the idol here. He's speaking about the idol here. They see not. Isaiah 6 was speaking about the people, the nation of Israel. They have eyes, they see not. So he's talking about the idol here. They see not, nor know, that they may be ashamed. So it's describing the idol as it doesn't see, it doesn't know. Isaiah talks about Israel that's been involved in idol worship for years. They don't see. They don't know what has happened. They have mirrored the image they've been worshiping. Oh, I got a really a lot to say about this today, folks. I'm doing. They mirror the image that they are worshiping. He says, who have formed a God or mote in a graven image that is profitable for nothing. That's rhetorical, but the answer is there. Behold, all his fellows shall be ashamed and the workmen, they are of men. Let, in other words, these people that's making the gods, they're just mere men. <laughs> Let them all be gathered together. Let them stand up. Yet they shall fear and they shall be ashamed together. Look at this now. I got my own alarm going off. Only gave myself 20 minutes. The smith, this is the hilarity of it. The smith with the tongs both worketh in the coes and fashion it with hammers and worketh with the strength of his arms. Yea, he is hungry and his strength faileth. He drinketh no water and is faint. The carpenter, they're talking about people that's making the idols. The carpenter stretcheth out his rule. He marketh it out with a line. Isn't it amazing that the carpenter, the idol he's going to worship, he can decide how big or how little his God is because he's the one making his God. 
He stretcheth at the rule. He marketh it with a line. He fitteth it with the planes. He marketh it. You know what that, you, you know that means? If I'm a carpenter, Brother Terry, and I don't want to build an extra room or a bigger room for my God, that's okay because I make my own God. I can just make him small enough to fit where I want him to be. We don't really have enough time this morning. He marked it out with a line. He fitteth it with the planes. He maketh it out of the compass and maketh after the figure of man according to the beauty of a man. Huh. <laughs> Sorry. That <laughs> it may remain in the house. He heweth him down cedars and taketh the cypress and the oak which he strengtheneth for himself among the trees of the forest. He planteth an ash and rain doth nourish it. Then shall it be for a man to burn. Hold on. You're telling me that this carpenter plants the tree because this is what it's saying. Huh? He strengtheneth the trees of the forest. He's going to use this tree to both burn and to make a god. That's a little comical. <laughs> That's a little comical. Then shall it be for a man to burn, for he will take thereof and warm himself. Yea, he kindleth it, baketh bread, so he's making a fire from this wood of a tree. He's put some food on there to bake bread. Yea, he maketh a God. So we have two things going on. Part of this tree he's using to build a fire and cook his meal on, Kevin. But the other part, he's going to make his God. He's going to fall down and worship. You might as well just fall down and worship your campfire. He maketh a God and worshipeth it. He maketh it a graven image and falleth down there too. Now maybe in his day, sister, she the people would have thought this guy's an idiot. He's got corn, bread, and beans on the fire and he's bound down to it. But they wouldn't think twice about him bound down to some imaged wood. You say, Brother McGee, that's, that's hilarious. Well, let me tell you, we do similar things in our day. We bow down to things that could never render any help, never aid, could never heal a fevered brow, could never save us from our sin or get us from here to glory. Oh, God. I'm not even done reading my passage I was going to read now here. He maketh the God worship it. He maketh it a graven image and falleth down there in 2 verse 16. He burneth parts. This is hilarious. He burneth part thereof in the fire. With the part thereof he eateth flesh. He roasteth, is satisfied. Yea, he warmeth himself and saith, Oh, I am warm. I have seen the fire. Idiot. And the residue thereof, what's left? How would you like to say, Yeah, I worship a God of what's left. residue remnant God my God has all power in heaven and in earth he doesn't just give me what's left he's given me everything that he has I'm an heir but, but when you go this other route you just get what's left from your meal and your wood fire right the residue thereof he maketh the God, even his graven image. He falleth down to it. He worshipeth it, prayeth unto it, and saith, Deliver me, for thou art my God. 
So you hefted this thing out of the forest. You've carried it to your workplace. You've sold on it. You've taken graving tools on it. And you're going to turn around and say, help me? Someone say amen. I'm not, folks, there's just some things that, you know, idols are not, my home's not my idol. I had to sign 52 papers to get it. And it's a roof over my head and air and heat and all that. But let me tell you something. I've had to do more for it than what it's ever done for me. Had to rewire things, repaint the walls, fix the roof, take care of the leak. I don't want to, I don't want an image like that that I got to carry around and heft around and take care of and manage and insure. No, 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 no. You give me a God that sees me falling apart that can fix the broken places in my life. That Oh, yes. All right. Let, let me at least finish this verse, just chapter, not chapter. Just go into verse 20 and I'll shut up. Deliver me, for thou art my God. Oh, how hilarious. Verse 18. They have, look at the Lord, word of the Lord here. They have not known nor understood, for ye have shut their eyes that they cannot see in their hearts that they cannot understand. They, idol and idol worshiper, and none considereth in his heart, neither is their knowledge nor understanding to say, I have, look at this. He said, They've been worshiping these type of things that they can't even, they cannot even equate a reason in their mind to be able to say, I've burned part of it in the fire. You get it? In other words, they can't even see the hilarity of their own actions. They can't even even reason. I burned part of it in the fire. Yea, also I baked bread upon the coast. I have roasted flesh and eaten it. And shall I make the residue thereof an abomination? They can't even reason any of that in their mind. Shall I fall down to the stalk of a tree? He feedeth on ashes. A deceived heart hath turned him aside that he cannot deliver his soul. Nor say, is there not a lie in my right hand? Stand with me this morning. I'll close right here. And so then in Isaiah 6, whenever Isaiah is saying, go speak to the people, and he's talking about, they have eyes and see, not ears, hear not. He's just reflecting the fact that the people have become what they have been worshiping. Now, folks, before I get all said and done, and I'm not talking about today, I want you to see that side of it, but I want you to see then also then, if that applies with idols, gods, and idol worshipers, what could happen with God and his worshipers? If we become... If we become what we worship. If those that follow vanity become vain. If we become what we worship, then what should God's people look like? Hmm? And I'm not talking about your attire. What should God's people look like? Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for hanging with me for more than 20, 30 minutes. Come back tonight, please. Please, please, please. I feel very um, impressed, amen, tonight 
uh, for a message, and it's already done, and that's a rarity for me for Sunday night. But tonight, I want to minister to us, if you'll come back, what's wrong with God? What's wrong with God? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Can we bow our heads? Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for your people, Lord, that have come together to worship and to, Lord, be mindful of you and your presence. I pray, oh, God, help us to go our separate ways and, Lord, return this evening. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.